The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We got BOC in the house. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Tuesday, November 15th. Um, the Friars are off to a 2-0 and start now after their victory against Northeastern this past Saturday. Uh, Friars will take on Stonehill tonight. Well, as of this recording, it's Monday. But uh, when we release this, they'll be playing Stonehill on Tuesday night, uh, 5 p.m. tip. I believe the game is on FS2. Yep. Um, and we will get to that. But but first, let's open up with the Friars' victory on Saturday. Um, they end up beating Northeastern 89-65. Um, you know, BOC has a great article out there. On our site, the Providence Crier, um, discussing the game, and it really was a second half surge. BLC. Yeah, they um, again. This is to me. To me, it's par for the course with this team. There's so many new faces and new roles and new responsibilities. People got to get used to playing with each other. And you know, would you like to see better starts? Absolutely. But it's how you finish, and they 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 showed potentially their ceiling in the second half of the game. And again, not a great opponent, but it doesn't matter. Like they played up to where we think their potential can be. And that's a great sign. And I think most important, our our best player, I would say our best player, Bynum, he showed why he was first team all biggies and potentially a biggies player of the year type player. So I was really happy with the second half. Yeah. We'll get to Bynum. We'll get to all of it, but um, I'll say, you know, in terms of the first half, I, I mean, it beat it, the first half was better than the Ryder game. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. It couldn't uh, get it couldn't get worse. Yeah, that, that's true. But um, you know, no, I, shot, I no the, shot clock, no shot clocks were broken either in this game. Yes, th- th- that is true. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I felt like defensively, Providence was a lot better um, against Northeastern than they were in their first. You're shaking your head, BS. You disagree? Yeah, I actually don't think our defense was all that great. I think they we let up way too many wide open threes, and they missed a couple that they should have made that were wide open. Fair, fair enough. Uh, but from a scoring perspective, obviously, I mean, they gave up thirty six points. Would they give up in the opener? Do you, do you have that readily available? I can check it quick. In the second half opener, the first half opener. 
they gave up 40 that. points to Ryder. Yeah, yeah. So I saw a little improvement there, BOC. And uh, they didn't dig themselves a hole. They essentially had a 10-point lead this time. And then, you know, it evaporated as Northeastern ends up hitting a buzzer beer three, I believe it was, uh, to make it a two-point halftime lead. But I don't know. I, I, I thought they were a little bit better. They were definitely less jittery. Like, they seemed more settled in the first half of this game than the first half of Ryder game. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, definitely. Again, it's like, this is going to be, I really do think, like, when we're in the depths of the Big East play, this is going to be a completely different team than what we're seeing right now. Like, I do expect this team to continue to improve as the season progresses because they're going to know where each where each person likes to pass, where they like to shoot, where they are on defense. Like, it takes a while to get to know your teammates, and it's different in practice than it is, you know, in a packed stadium, whether it's at home or away. Um, so I think they're going to continue to improve, and I'm excited about it. All right, so so then let's get into it. You, you said yourself, the second half, they showed possibly what their their ceiling could be. They outscored Northeastern 51-29. And, yeah, Jared Bynum was the man we got to talk about because, oh, boy, that second half, man, it, it, he had full control of that game. He, I mean, it was the assist. It was the ability to hit from deep. It was – even in the first game, like his first step is really elite. Like he can get by pretty much anybody he guards when he can do that. And he can both finish at the rim and then kick it out and hit an open lock or freaking hit, hit more for an open three. That becomes a very dangerous player. And I don't think that's an anomaly. I think he's going to be maybe not that good all year, but he's going to continually be like a 15 and six type player game in game out. Yeah, so so Bynum ends up finishing with 21 points, two rebounds, nine assists. Uh, he shot eight of 12 from the floor, shot two of three from the line. Honestly, I, I feel like there was a play in the first half where he felt – or maybe it was the second half, correct me if I'm wrong here. But there was a play where he felt like he was he fouled pretty hard, and he seemed he, pretty there was a, there was a push. There was a push after the whistle Yeah, from that stiff Darty, I think it was. Yeah. And he that guy Dory's lucky none of the big men saw it like Croswell or whoever else was on the court because it was a dirty play. Uh, Bynum got up and he was thankfully held back by like the refs and his teammates, but maybe that lit a fuse. Yeah, I I think it definitely did. Um, and we've seen this from. Did he get? He got a T in the second half too, right? Yeah, he did. But, uh, oh, the the guy did the Dory. No, did? no, Bynum did. For what? chirping after a basket. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. No, you're right. I think he made a hoop and, and got a foul. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, got, I got to I love, I love that. Yeah, same. Um, but, but we've seen this last year from Bynum. Like, didn't he, like, was it the Butler game where, like, he had, like, a poor start and, like, just something happened where you could see he was visibly, visibly pissed off and then just turned on, turned it on uh, in the second half? I, yeah, I, I don't remember which game, but maybe they have to start employing like the Jordan, the Jordan thing, where like you just make up things that people Slice. have said about, yeah. said about him, <laughs> even though even though it's not true at all. So it'd be like, hey, Jared, they said you suck as a point guard, and then just use that as motivation. Yeah, well, we could do that for Jared if he wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll start we'll start putting that in there. You should yeah, hear, the, what, the, you, the, should the, hear what Stone, you should hear what Stonehill's been saying about Jared Bynum. <laughs> We can gladly spread those rumors if it means Jared Bynum's going to go off. 
But yeah, he was freaking awesome in this game. Just but also really quick, nine assists is awesome. What's even better? One turnover. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's like we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of point guards where well, they will have like six assists and four turnovers, and you're like, okay, that's that's not that great of an assist to turnover ratio. The nine to one just shows he was in complete control of the offense. Yeah, for sure. It, it, and I I think that um, it was just. He just dominated that game in the second half, just like his drives. Some of the passes he was making, my favorite assist that he had had to be that one where he drove to the hoop, kind of threw it over his shoulder behind him to a wide-open um, uh, Clifton Moore, who up fakes, the thunder flies by, he just has the entire court uh, to his disposal, and he just comes in and throws down the hammer. That that was probably my favorite part of the game. Also, Bynum's transition three, that was pretty hilarious and awesome. Uh, it, honestly, it wasn't a bad shot. I, I know how people will say, you know, in transition, pulling up for three is a bad shot. But in that case, it just felt right. Uh, he was wide open. The, the momentum was starting to creep towards Providence's favor. Um, and he freaking drilled it. Um, so he was freaking awesome. Uh, very, very uh, ex- excited about that for sure. Because, I mean, like we said, the first game, we were like, eh, whatever. It, it's a blip. It's not really something that we should be concerned about because uh, Bynum's trying to integrate himself with, with all his new teammates. Um, and, and of course we did in fact get the bounce back game from Bynum like we thought. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this more, but like Bynum's play is going to unlock the rest of the offense. In my opinion, he's the, he's the key to helping this team reach their maximum potential. Yeah, speaking of Locke, um, let's get to Noah Locke here. Uh, another good game. The three-point shooting isn't quite there. He was two of seven from three yet. But I'll tell you, BLC, anytime he's open and rips, I think it's it's going down. And a few of them were like, oh, I thought they were money. But um, he's showing that, I'm telling you, this backcourt of those two are very potent offensively. Well, I wrote a bit about it. I think I think his shot will begin to drop. It's it's funny for a marksman. He has actually a really low release, which is kind of concerning. But just because he's not overly tall, uh, like if you remember Reeves, he like had a NBA style Rainbow, type yeah. approach where oh. he held he held it up high. Um, Locke takes it a little bit from chest level, which is it is what it is. Hopefully that doesn't become a concern when we start playing Big East teams. Clearly hasn't been a concern with uh, playing the SEC and ACC. Um, but what really got me was his ability to be like a really well-rounded offensive player. I don't know if it was just I had blinders on because everybody talked about him as just like uh, the next A.J. Reeves, but he can attack the rim. He can finish at the rim. He had a beautiful assist. Um, he's just be a really well-rounded player offensively, and I did not expect that. And again, that just makes our offense much more dangerous because we didn't have that at the two spot last year. No, and you know, he has he hits the float. He he had a nice little floater uh, in that game. He was three or four from two in that game, and two or seven from deep, making five of eleven overall. Good math by me. Uh, so, but yeah, no, you're right. The, the ability to attack the hoop in, in that float game is huge, man. Like. Then people are going to be nervous about giving you, you know, trying to close out too hard on you from three. And then you can, you know, it just opens up the whole game for him. So um, 
I thought it was a great performance by Locke in this one, 13 points. Um, let's move on to Clifton Moore off the bench, 15 points. And, and we'll get into this because the reason why he got those extended minutes at Crosswell, I, I think, I'm not sure, I wasn't watching the broadcast, but it looked like a finger. Yeah, it looked like either um, a hand or finger, I think what happened. Again, I'm, I wasn't there, but it looked like it one of his fingers popped out of its socket and they just need to pop it back in. But I've had that happen before and you wouldn't have to go to the locker room. So maybe it's something a little bit more serious than that, or maybe they just didn't want to do it in public in front of everybody. I don't know. Um, but more sees the opportunity and dude, he's another monster surprise. Like, again, I wrote about it. Like when we landed him, I don't think anybody really was like, wow, that was a, that's a, he's a huge asset for our team. We we're like, Oh yeah, we actually do have like a thin front court is a good addition. Like he'll give us like 15, 20 minutes. Cause his stats weren't like eye popping at LaSalle. And he, I was thinking about it. It's like weird. He's upping his level of play in terms of opponents and where he's playing in the big East and his overall stats might improve with maybe less minutes. It's, it's crazy what's going on right now. It's early obviously, but signs are like, he's a different type of big man than what we've had. And that's a really good thing to have on your bench and potentially he'll be starting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so 15 points, five rebounds for him. It's a good point, but yeah, you do got to recognize we're not in Big East play yet. We haven't played any formal opponents yet, um, although I, I think Ryder and Northeastern will be two solid mid-major teams. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be something to monitor for sure. Um, yeah, just the ability to, you know, and even if it's not, even if he doesn't light it up from three, like Horkler, like I might've suggested in the Big East media day, um, just that to be able to have that threat and then the face up game on top of it, a little more mobile, like this guy's an asset. And then the, the rim protection on top of that. So <laughs> big game from Clifton Moore. That was great to see. Um, just some of the other notes here. Yeah. So Crosswell with the finger or the wrist or whatever it was. He leaves the game, uh, ends up returning after halftime. Um, he didn't seem to be too hampered by it, but he finishes with eight and four in 17 minutes. Yep. But something to monitor for sure going forward. Bryce Hopkins with a double-double, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Once again with him, showing the ability to get to the rim at will. Um, again, you- the finishing... It's a little work, but but once he starts to get that, man, this guy's going to be hard to stop. I'm not nervous about that. I think it's just yeah, nerves. I'm not um, and the nice thing is, like, with all these players stepping up, I think the problem with expectations and, like, Hopkins got put, I think, in my opinion, too high of expectations on him. Um, it comes with being a Kentucky transfer, but everybody was talking about, even us, like, I'm guilty of it, like, saying, oh, he might lead the team in scoring. Like, this might actually be an okay thing for him to, like, not come out of the gates blazing hot and work his way into the rotation because he is going to end up being like our second or third leading or even potentially our top leading scorer. But like, he'll get there eventually. Like let him, let him get used to getting more minutes in the college game. And then those shots will start dropping. And I don't like, you could tell me like from watching on TV, was he like elevating really high for rebounds? It seems like he was above everybody else when he was getting boards. Yeah, he was he was getting after on the glass for sure. Um, maybe not the Castro level of just skying for rebounds. And, and Castro only gets uh, eight minutes in this one. He had three points, two rebounds. Um, all all his points from the free throw line. Um, but yeah, no, he definitely 
can get get up there and get those boards. So, um, yeah, I, I think he adds a lot, not just the scoring. I think rebounding is huge. Um, we, we didn't have that really last year. Like as much yeah. as, as I love Manaya at the three, the fact that you can have Hopkins play three through five and he gives you that type of rebounding clip, that's big. And another thing with him is he leads the team in minutes so far. He played 36 in the opener, played 30, uh, game high 33 on Saturday. Um, so he's leading the team in minutes. So that's I think a lot, that's a lot, that's a lot of minutes. It, it is. That's like starting to get to Bryce, and not that high, but no, no. <laughs> Bryce Cotton level. Uh, but Carter, I thought was solid once again. Um, just his ability, his, his athletic ability is just on display. I said he'd probably get five steals, if not more again. Uh, only had one, so it was a little off there, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, he had that he had that reverse where he caught the ball and then laid it in on a reverse, and then he has an alley where he actually dunked it. And, uh, Dude, that man. was that was ridiculous. Like, I wrote about, like, at a high level, like, where I think this team is trending. And one thing I could say with absolute certainty is this team has an athleticism that I don't think Cooley's ever possessed with a team. Like, he's always had, like, one or two, like, off, like, really high-caliber athletes, like a Duke Jr., a Don, Ben Teal, even to a certain extent, you know, like, th- this whole team seems to be really athletic. For sure. And it's something that, like, I don't think we've ever been able to say, like, just roll a ball out and let our athletes just out-athlete everybody. This might be one of the first times we can really say that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I, I think we got athletes up and down the roster, um, which is great to see. Um, so yeah, great game for Providence. Uh, you know, game two of long season, they really need to kind of have a more comfortable win. I think after the, the nail biter against Ryder and they certainly delivered on that front, especially in the second half. Um, one thing I want to comment on, uh, before we wrap up talking about the game, first of all, I I had an evening, 8 PM tip. I was able to, uh, hit up Elmer's pub. Uh, for our first stop, and then we went to Federal Hill. Got a lovely dinner at Massimo. Very good. Is that where is that where we went uh, for the St. John's game? No, I don't think so. Although you couldn't tell me where we went yeah. <laughs> for the St. John's game. <laughs> I don't think any, I don't think anybody knew where they were at. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it was though. Um, but yeah, awesome dinner there, and then we we uh. Went straight to the game because we're kind of running on time. Uh, and then I just got to say, like, the students, it's just unbelievable. Night and day from when I went there, from when you went there. I mean, my freshman year, the crowds were good. New coach, you know, they, they won some big games, obviously, beating number one Pitt that year, um, 2008, um, the 2008-2009 season. They beat Pitt, they beat Syracuse that year. There were good crowds there, no doubt about it. But this is on another level. Like, so, you know, the student sections, typically, you know, you have the main student section behind the hoop that's closest to PC's bench. And then on the other side, that was a student section, but it's seen sometimes where there's not many people there or, or whatever. And it's just those floor seats behind the hoop. Dude. Let me tell you, because they, I think they did like a whiteout for the students. So you could tell who students were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The other end zone was filled up to the upper bowl of, of, of students. 
so they really brought it. Uh, the energy was awesome. Um, you know, uh, of course, in typical province fan fashion, it's like we're waiting for you to do something for, to, to, yeah. for us to get going. But once we do yeah. get going, uh, tough place to play. Um, so got to give it to the students there. And then, you know, we hit up Trinity afterwards, like always. Yeah. Tradition like no other. Uh, and we met some students and we had a great time with them, you know. I think we gained some new Cryer fans. Although no, one no. of them was like, I think my dad met you in Buffalo. So that was uh, that was embarrassing in a good way. Well, it was his dad. Who cares? Um, yeah. Her who, dad. Wait, her dad. Shout out. Uh, what was the name of the guy that you met? Manchita. Manchita. Man yeah. We dedicate this pod to Manchita. Yeah. Manchita is going to be a, a big follower of the pod and blog now. I'm very excited. Um, so, yeah, just a great time. So So shout out to the students there. Um, just an awesome, awesome Saturday evening. All right. So let's shift over BFC. Province got Stonehill coming up on Tuesday. Early tip, 5 p.m. That kind of stinks. I don't anticipate going myself. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta rest emotionally and physically for the Mohegan trip. Um, we're going to do an entire pod dedicated to previewing that thing later in the week. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm going to skip Tuesday, but Stonehill comes to town. Cooley's alma mater. They just moved up to D1. Um, you know, unique team. Kind of. I, I I have a feeling they're not going to be able to play defense. Uh, I watched that UConn game a little bit. UConn obviously was able to dominate inside with Sonogo and Klingon, and just their size was, like, clearly overwhelming. Um, but they gave – but Stonehill seemed to give up a ton of threes to UConn. And UConn just wasn't hitting them. Um, personally, I, I think their backcourt is a little eh, in my opinion. Uh, so far, Newton and Aline, I'm pretty sure Aline lit it up the other day a little bit. But, you know, they were missing shots. I don't think this team's very good defensively. So in, in three games, I just crunched the numbers. Yeah. They're, they're averaging – they're letting teams score 88 points a game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not good. They, yeah. they, they, they lost to Quinnipiac. What, what what was that? One hundred and five to ninety nine or something? Yeah, it was. It was one hundred two ninety five. Yeah, so they lose to Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac's a decent team. Beat URI. <laughs> URI lost again, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, URI might might not break double digits and wins this year. I know. Which, by the way, that's just another thing that concerns me about our non conference schedule right now. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, just just, just makes the tournament Mohegan that much more important. Yeah, I think with the way the out of conference is shaking up, you need to you need to go one and one in Mohegan. Yeah, for sure. But obviously, we'll we'll get to Mohegan yeah. in a later episode here. But yeah, so Stonehill comes in; they're giving up a ton of points, but they did get their first ever D one win against Army over the weekend. Um, so you know, for Providence, this is just the final tune-up, if you will, before you're really ramping up competition here. Yeah, I, I think um, this is another one where you see a heavy rotation. Like, it was great to see Corey Floyd Jr. I think he was a little bit nervous, especially in the first half, but he knocked down a tray at the end of the game. We're going to see some more of Castro. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see 10-plus players play in the Stonehill game. The game should be over by halftime, I would, I would hope. Um, and this is a good way. This is a good chance for them to come out hot from the, at the start of the first half. So 
hopefully, you know, they they get like a 15, 20 point lead going into half and then they can just roll out some some players to get some burn. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would love to see Castro get some more minutes because um, I, I do think you'll need him down down the stretch. Like, you don't know what's going to happen with injuries. You don't know what's going to happen with Crosswell's hand. Yeah. Um, he was so, Castro really quick. Like, he's another one where his he was helping too much on defense. And we've seen, like, Hopkins do that, too. I don't know if it's, yeah. like – I don't know if they're teaching them the right way or the wrong way to play D. But, like, especially when you have the athletic advantage, you just kind of say, hey – you don't really need to help. Let me just take my man one-on-one and see if they can make a bucket on me. The only time you need to really help is if somebody's, you know, beating you off the dribble or just has an advantage uh, in the post. Um, so Kasher did that too much. Hopkins did it too much. They Kasher is not going to get any time if he keeps having these mental lapses on defense. Because, again, we've talked about that's the way to get on the court under Cooley. So Kasher has got to tighten that game up, part of his game up, which you would think would be the easier part. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean – for Castro, I mean, we we're talking about the text group. More so, we were talking about Hopkins on the help defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you just don't need to overhelp, especially when you're playing a, a, a team with lesser athletes, lesser size than you. Um, but how many times? How many times in the past have we gotten burned by Nova for doing that? Like just looking, and then oh, they, yeah. they swing the ball across the court, and the guy's wide open for three. Like if we do that against Creighton, we do that against Nova, we are going to get cooked. Like. You don't have to worry about UConn because they can't hit shit from deep, but um, those two teams will will hurt us. So you need to you need to stop ball watching and just play your man and play defense. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, ho- hopefully Castro can kind of figure that out. Hopefully in this game against Stonehill, get get some more burn. We'd love to see more of Pierre as well because um, I, I think the more time you can squeeze him in during the season, the the, the better benefit it will be down the stretch. Corey Floyd's another guy. Um. Yeah, I, I gotta. He me personally. He looks, like, he looks like a linebacker. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Maybe like Xavier, we'll start a football team, and he can be the captain. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, no, but I really gotta stop uh, buying into the, the 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 clickbait, if you will, of people tweeting uh, about PC hoops, and it, and it comes from one fan base and one fan base only, UConn, but. One tweet like just really set me off on Saturday night. What was it? Calling out Floyd for being for having three points and saying like, "Oh, Ed Cooley's player development like like sucks or whatever." And I'm just like, first of all, kid's 18 years old, dude. He's his re- first collegiate game. He, he re- played seven he, minutes. He had three points. Yeah, he reclassed, and he probably he honestly like he probably should have had like seven points because he fumbled a few like really good looks. Um, I think that was the nerves. But also, like, everybody forgets he reclassified and left school a year early. Like, this should be his first year out of high school and college. And, like, we're going to benefit from that because he looks like – it doesn't look like he needs any work in the weight room. If anything, he needs to, like, trim down and be more of, like, have a basketball build. Um, but, yeah, he's 18, and he should be com- – he should have just graduated from high school in May. Like, we're in a good place. Like, there's no need to panic. And I think – UConn fans are doing that because they're insecure because they know he's going to be a good player, whether it's this year, two years from now, when he's a junior and a starter, we'll see. Yeah. But like, so then I commented that Hurley's, you know, one of the worst player development coaches in the country. And then someone commented back, like, like that's just ignorance. Yeah, that is ignorance. But so is tweeting that about, about Corey Floyd. And like, first of all, 
I'm pretty confident that most people around the sport would tell you that Cooley's a better player development coach than Dan Hurley. Um, you know, the guy was thrown out like all these guys, like RJ Cole. Fun fact about RJ Cole, his career stat, his career scoring average in four years of college is higher than either of the two seasons at UConn. So, really? yeah. yes, because he lit it up at Howard. Yeah. Um, and then like, I don't know, Hurley's had plenty of guys that just haven't done anything. Uh, like Diggins, gone. Yep. Corey Floyd, gone. A cook, a cook on Georgetown. Like, and he's, do- come- and he's doing well. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you got Cooley who turned Bryce Cotton from a two guard to a point guard out of necessity. And Bryce Cotton was nasty. Um, Ben Bentil just blew up his sophomore, sophomore season. So like, get out of here with that. Seriously. That's crazy. Don't waste don't waste your time on them. I know. I, I, I like. I'm just. It's bad. I, I have a problem in terms of having to respond. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Yeah, please do. All right. So um, let's wrap this thing up here. Uh, do you want to hit some some biggies notes uh, around the conference? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so so far, everyone in the Big East is undefeated except for one. Right. Yep, except for one. And that would be the Villanova Wildcats. They drop a game to Temple on the road, in-state rival, in-town rival, if you will. Um, you know, I I think Nova will be fine. But but again, like, like I've like I've tweeted, like I've said in the past, like I the reason why I wasn't afraid to put them at five in my preseason standings. I'm not afraid of these guys anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, Caleb Daniels is excellent. I love him. I, I think his game is terrific. Yep. Uh, Dixon's really developed into a good big man. Um, Slater's a solid player, but they're entirely predicated on the health of Justin Moore for sure. And I know we haven't seen Cam and, and Cam and Cam, Cam Whitmore. Yeah. 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 And we haven't seen him yet. So he could be very good. I mean, it's very possible. He could be very good. All American. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just not afraid. And they're banking their season su- success on Justin Moore. And that's just such a big if. Again, I'll say it. Like, I love Justin Moore. I think he's a terrific player. That's just a tough injury. And, and he got did it in March. Like, it took Kevin Durant a year and a half to get over that injury. And he has better doctors probably than Justin Moore. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pulling for the kid. But, like, they need him healthy if they want to do anything this year, like yep. anything serious, they'll probably still make the tournament. Probably be a tough out. They might sweep us. Who knows? But you know, I, I'm not afraid. Of it. I, um, I think what was interesting is they were one that we NCAA has changed the rules on flopping. That's big. Cause I watched that game. There were a lot of attempted flops that were not called. They didn't, they, there could have been some warnings or potentially with the one shot uh, free throw. Um, but they didn't call anything. And I think that is the, you know, no fans don't want to hear it. That's the difference between potentially Neptune and Wright. Like Wright gets those calls. And um, I know Providence fans are sick of those plays. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully uh, we don't have to deal with that, but it's, it's going to be a growing. It's going to be a process for Villanova and they need to, 
embrace the fact that like they had an excellent year last year, a fantastic year, like a, a year we would dream of, like a call spade a spade. And there's going to be some growing pains, but if more somehow comes back and Whitmore is even like 75% of what people are saying, they're going to be a top three team in the Big East, I personally think. Yeah, very well. But I just think the league's kind of loaded. And I just think, yeah. you know, without that Jay Wright factor, I, I'm just not afraid anymore. I'll say it. I'm just not afraid. All right. So uh, the rest of the Big East teams, you know, have been solid so far. Um, big tests coming up, obviously, with Thanksgiving week coming around, a lot of non-conference tournaments that are going on. But first, it'll be the Gavit Games. And I wrote a little bit of a piece on this on the site, kind of just a blurb on each game. But uh, the Gavit Games are back. Providence is not in them this year. Um, this should be the last year of the Gavit Games. However, 2020 was canceled. And I believe my memory serves me correctly. Val Ackerman said that it will conclude after next season. Like, like they'll roll over that season that was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they, they, they want to work with the Big Ten and, and renew the challenge um, down the line here. And obviously for the Big Ten, you'd probably be interested in that, especially considering you didn't get UConn involved in it because um, they weren't in the conference when we started it. Um, but so this year's slate, it's kind of eh, towards the end of it. It's, it's good. The last two games uh, on Friday are, are very good. Um, it's Indiana at Xavier and then uh, Nova at Michigan state. Those two games should be really good. Um, you know, again, we're recording on a Monday. We'll release this Tuesday, but you got to Paul at Minnesota to Paul favored on the road by point and a half. So we'll, we'll see what they can do there. Um, it's going, it's, going, it's going to be the typical. The Paul's going to start. They're at a conference like eleven and up. Yeah, I know, right? And then just and then just and rank fall apart. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and then, but the interesting thing about the Paul is like totally different team from last year. Yeah. Um, you know that Terry guy w- was pretty good this year. He gets a lot of minutes, but he hasn't done too much in two games. It's been this guy Javon Johnson who's come out of nowhere, kind of like David Jones last year. Yeah. Um, and he's lighting it up. And then the Moja Gibson, the, the OU transfer, it's been a big get um for for DePaul. So that should be a fun game. Um Butler at Penn State. Penn State's favorite in that one by five and a half. That's an interesting spread because Penn State's I, I don't know, they're always that like weird Big Ten team that isn't very good. Uh they're a tough, the, they're a tough team though. They yeah, actually kind of they they actually kind of remind me a little bit of like a Providence type build. Yeah, but honestly, I I think that's a good spot for Butler, man. Like, yeah, for sure. Butler with Manny Bates now, it, it's going to be a different Butler team that we see. Manny Bates changes the complexion of Butler big time. I was just looking up stat leaders in the Big East because I'm a lunatic because it's only like two or three games. Bates leads the Big East in rebounds at 11 a game. Yeah, no, yeah, he had 25 and 11 uh, in the opener. I don't think they're counting the stats from – their most recent game though. Okay. Um, Cause I think they're two and out, but anyways, uh, then Wednesday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, you got Northwestern Georgetown at six 30. Um, can probably skip that one fans. Uh, <laughs> although it should be interesting because no Pete Nance in Northwestern anymore. And Georgetown is, uh, should have the size advantage in that one. It's Rob brands all by himself. BFC. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that the guy? Uh, Yes. <laughs> Is that the guy that Nate Watson murdered? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
got baptized in live television. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then nightcap on Tuesday, you got Marquette at Purdue. Gonna be a real tough game for the Golden Eagles. Um, they're playing well though. It should be an interesting one, but I mean, I feel like Zach Eady, they're just gonna murder them <laughs> down low, you know? Holick is going to exploit them in ways that have never been exploited before. Okay. All right. Yes. We all know BOC is a massive Colic guy. Um, all right. Shifting over to Wednesday, standalone game, Iowa at Seton Hall. That's a good one. That has potential to be one of the best ones on the slate. Um, do I'll tell you, I mean, they haven't really played anyone. They dismantled St. Pete's, um, who pretty much was dismantled once Shaheen Hallway left and took the Seton Hall job. Um, but, Seattle's kind of impressed me so far. I'm intrigued by that game for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then on Iowa's side, I mean, Keegan Murray was such a stud last year, and his brother Chris Murray is just stepping right in. It's like, yeah, he, well, they said he was going to be the next in line, but is he, I haven't watched it. Is he doing as much as Keegan was doing last year? Not as much, but he's 18 and seven. I think you take that. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. But but Seattle has been good, man. Like they they've had some pieces. Um, I'll be interested to see how they do them uh, in non conference here before we get into conference play. All right, Thursday the seventeenth, six thirty tip. Nebraska at St. John's. Don't screw that up, St. John's. Come on, I know. Just, just don't screw that up. Like not that hard. Uh, Fred Hoiberg could be out of a job by uh, by you know January. So <laughs> don't screw that up, St. John's. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and then, oh, that's the only game on Thursday. And then Friday is that doubleheader that I told you. Massive doubleheader. Um, number 12, Indiana, with the new poll coming out, goes at Xavier. Should be an awesome game. Trace, Trace Jackson Davis has been in college for 20 years. He certainly has. It's amazing. Yeah. The amazing part about that is, like, he was talked about as NBA lotto potential as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. The problem is you can't play defense. Dude, but this is a good thing with like with with NIL. Like there's yeah. so many players who are hanging around and he's probably making like he's probably making six figures. Um, yeah, probably. And he's getting his degree and he's like the face of Indiana basketball. Like that's so awesome. That NIL, like there's a lot of like the Wild West to it, which I don't like, but like seeing like for instance, my my team is North Carolina. If NIL didn't exist, Leaky Black wouldn't be back. Armando Baycott wouldn't be back. Caleb Love wouldn't be back. It'd be a completely different team. Like, this is the good thing. Like, players are hanging around now. Hunter Dickinson at Michigan would have been gone two years ago. Like, it's just a great thing for NIL to have these players stick around and still make money off of their production. Yeah, uh, let me correct you, though. Uh, the Friars are your team. UNC's your cheat team. The difference. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and then Villanova, Michigan State. Dude, yeah. That's a big one because both of those teams already have a loss on the schedule so far. Um, Michigan State squandered the game to Gonzaga on the aircraft. Um, so both teams in desperate need of a win. You never want to say must win game three of the season, but I, I'm telling you, I think both of those programs really want that game. Uh, yeah, you neither, neither Michigan State uh, nor Gonzaga really impressed me. Yeah, yeah, I mean – with Gonzaga, it's interesting because I don't think they're as stacked as they normally are. No. Well, I mean, Timmy's a college stud. You know? Yeah. There's another guy you want to type about, NIL. NIL. Yeah, spot on. 
Yeah. Like even like uh, remember remember the five star from uh, Omaha, Hunter Salas. Didn't he go to Gonzaga? Is he? He's not really doing much, is he? Yeah, I think he's on the team. I think he starts. I think. Does he start? Oh, I thought. Yeah. He, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely think they're a little overrated in the sense that they've reached the point where they're going to be consistently top five team going into the year. Mm-hmm. And I think justifiably so for most seasons, you know, you, you talk about the team that lost the UNC in the final, right? You talk about last year's team, like legit loaded teams. Yeah. Um, so, but, but this year I feel like, you know, the argument could have been made for them being a little bit lower, but we'll see long season. Um, all right. You got anything else? No, starting off two and oh. This tone of these podcasts would be very different if we lost to a uh, rider. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a preview for Stonehill out for you uh, in the morning, probably when we release this thing. And um, yeah, that, that's I want it everybody. I want everybody planning to go to Mohegan Sun and buying Mikey and crew and Manchita a hundred beers there. I don't know if Manchita is going, um, but we'll see. I'll DM. I'll find out. I'll find out if Manchita is going. But yeah, I'm very excited for that. But we'll have a full episode dedicated to the Hall of Fame tip-off at Mohegan Sun. But until next time, Friar Town, see you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, eh. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh. Down, bounce back like a me I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop Man up in my city, I'm the